Go with me, if you would, in the Bible today to uh, we're, we're talking about um, the, the message title that I have for today's message is we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Amen. And uh, I want you to see something here that um, that a lot of Christians maybe don't maybe don't realize to the fullness that they should. And uh, let me just warn you. Can I give you a disclaimer? If you're religious, you ain't going to like tonight's service. Oh, yeah. If you just got that attitude of, uh, oh, I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner saved by grace, but you're not a sinner saved by grace. You're not a sinner. You're a saint. You're washed by the blood. And, uh, and, and so don't call, don't call yourself a sinner. You're not a sinner anymore. You used to be a sinner. But these, there's a prevailing attitude amongst in Christendom of, well, I'm just a worm and I'm just a sinner and God has to do everything and lowly me. And it really is, first of all, a lack of revelation and it it's second of all, false humility. And it's not what Jesus paid a heavy price on the cross. That's not the attitude that he paid a heavy price for. No. That, that, that broken down mentality of I can do nothing. I am nothing. And, you know, it's all God. That's where the sovereignty, uh, this teaching on the sovereignty of God. Uh, there is a part of sovereignty that is right and true and good because God is sovereign. But I find a lot of religious people that have that worm mentality. They love the sovereignty teaching. Because the sovereignty teaching just fits them real good because everything's God. God will fix this and God's responsible for that. And how come God's allowing this to happen in the world? And, you know, whenever God wants, maybe then he'll give me some help or some money or when he's ready, he'll heal me. And 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 there's there's a lot of not, there's always a little nugget of truth in all that, because in healing, for example, uh, the Lord has to manifest the healing. We can't manifest it. So in some ways, yes, whenever he's ready, he heals us. But the onus is always God, God, God will do it. And and it's all on God and all the responsibilities on him because he's sovereign. But what they don't understand is that God has told us to believe him and to speak and to release our faith and to expect it to happen. Yeah. And then when we do that, then yes, God does have his side and he is sovereign from that perspective. But most people that talk about all the, the sovereignty stuff, it's all about the ultra, the ultra emphasis is God, this God, that and everything's on God's side. I'm telling you, not everything's on God's side. And when you have that attitude, you'll stay sick. And when you have that attitude, you'll stay broke. And when you have that attitude, you'll stay outside the fullness of the covenant because there are certain things on God's side and there are certain things on our side. And so we, we got to maintain the attitude that we'll do our part and God will do his part. Don't try to do his part for him because that doesn't work. That's when you get into worry and fear because you're trying to do what he can only do. And then it frustrates you. And you and no, don't let him do his side. Yeah. He does have a sovereign side, but let us do our side. We have a faith side. Yeah. Praise God. And so uh, people that have that attitude, they probably won't like what I'm about to say because it puts emphasis on us, Jenny. It puts responsibility on our shoulders. Uh, and I'm talking about we are the body of Christ. So look with me, please, if you would. Uh, and I might say some statements that, to the, to the, I won't say religious mind because I don't believe our congregation is religious, but to the unrenewed mind, they might stumble a little bit over some of the statements that I'm going to make. But I can promise you that they're scriptural and they're doctrinally, theologically sound, and they come right from the Bible and they come right from Dad Hagen's lips. And so uh, if you trust him at all, uh, as he was a greater and older minister than me, then uh, you can trust what the, what the Bible says, what he taught from the Bible and what I'm teaching you from the Bible, because uh, a lot of Christians need to hear this. And I just felt the Lord prompt me and say, you need to just talk to your congregation a little bit about this, because some of them don't see it the right way. And so first turn to me with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 28, if you would. I'm kind of doing a little bit more of a teaching. I can tell. Isn't that interesting, honey? That 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 I thought that teaching. Now maybe the preaching flow will come even tonight. Still, I don't know. I never know what the Holy Ghost is going to do, so I might as well not even try to figure it out. But I thought I'd teach on Sunday, but the anointing to preach fell on me, and so if that happens again, I'll yield to it. Amen. But but we'll just without without that happening, then I just teach. Praise God, and and teaching is good, and teaching is important. Matthew chapter twenty-eight, and if you look down at the bottom, this is called the Great Commission. 
When you hear people talk about the Great Commission, they're referring to Mark 16 and Matthew 28. These are the last words that Jesus gave to the disciples before he ascended. And Jesus came, verse 18, Matthew 28, 18, and spake unto them, saying, All power, and that word power is the Greek word exousa. It would have been better translated by the by the translators in 1611 in England uh, under the under the mandate of King James. That's why it's called the King James translation because he mandated translators to translate it from the original language into English for the common man in 1611. It would have been better for those English translators to translate this word authority because the actual Greek word means authority. It means power too but it is better translated uh, uh, authority having been given the privilege or the delegation of authority. So when you see, you can't just look at the word power because power could also just mean raw ability. And, and another word for power in the Greek is the word dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from. It's explosive power. It's force. Yes. Do you understand? Uh, for lack of a better word, I'm trying to think of a human being that could stop a car. Well, <laughs> there is none, so we have to use a superhero. Praise God. So the Hulk, not that I'm approving these ridiculous things, but the Hulk has dunamis power. Do you understand? He can stop uh, He can stop a car because he's big and strong and angry. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. That's ability. That's, that's strength to do something. But a police officer does not have dunamis power. A police officer has exousa power or authority. The police officer can't stop the truck, the car. He doesn't have the physical ability or power yeah. to stop the, power, the car. But when he puts his hand up, because he has a badge that says, I am, I am a representative of the government, that person will stop. Because if they don't, they might get past him. But he's got about a thousand other guys with the same badge that are going to be chasing that dude. And they're going to catch him and lock him up in a prison. And people recognize that and understand that unless they think they're going to get away with the crime, they will yield to the exousa power or the authority of the police officer because he doesn't have the dunamis power or the physical brute force right. that, let's say, not that they exist, but let's say a superhero because no human being can stop a car. Okay, but I'm trying to think of trying to give you an image of something that could stop a car that was living. That's why I use that silly example of the Hulk, because he could stop a car, but he doesn't exist. So you see the difference between exousa and dunamis. Now, this verse here is talking about exousa. All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. When did Jesus get the authority? Not when he stood right there. He got the authority on Easter Sunday morning because he rose up from the dead, came back into his physical body. Mary was going to touch him. Don't touch me, woman. I haven't ascended. He's holding his blood. That's why he can't, he can't be polluted with her sinful touch because she's she her nature. She's not an evil person, but her nature is that of sin. And so he takes it up to the father. We know I preached this at Easter. You've heard it before. The Bible says that the same tabernacle on earth, there's a heavenly a mirror of that. In fact, that's where earth came from is the tabernacle in heaven. There is a holy of holies. There is a mercy seat. There is a, there, there is a, an ark of the covenant. All of that is in heaven. And so he went into the holy of holies in the heavenly tabernacle. And just like the high priest would sprinkle blood once a year, Jesus sprinkled his blood over those things. Isn't that amazing, Jenny? And he did that Easter Sunday morning in the holy of holies in the heavenly tabernacle and put his blood on the mercy seat. Then he sat down at the right hand of the father, having accomplished all. Yes. And that is when salvation was ratified. That is when the victory was truly won, not just when he died, not just when he went to hell and not just when he rose again. But when he went to heaven and placed his blood on the mercy seat that sealed the new covenant because the covenant is sealed by blood. And the old covenant was sealed when they sprinkled the blood of the animal. It wasn't sealed until that's why Moses would say this is the blood of the covenant, because the covenant gives force or power or seals the, the, the blood gives force, power or seals the covenant. Jesus's covenant, the new covenant that we operate in, could not be sealed and have force and power until his blood was placed. That is when the final act happened is when he put the blood on that on that mercy seat. That's when he was given, Jenny, all authority and all power was Easter Sunday morning in heaven in front of his father when he sat down. And it's and that's the true ratification of the New Testament and of, of salvation. That's when he got all power and all authority. Then he comes down later that day. He appears to the 12, you know, and, he, and then 50 days until Pentecost, he's appearing to them. You know, not about the whole 50 days, but you know what I'm saying? 
for so I think it was about 40 days, wasn't it? About 40 days, give or take. Because then he said, not many days hence, if you'll tarry in yeah. Jerusalem, the spirit will come. And that was on the 50th day after his resurrection. Right. So we know that about 40 days, give or take, he was, he was there appearing to people, talking to people. And he invited 500 to the upper room. But before that, around the 40-day mark, he is ascending up into heaven. He's giving the Great Commission as he ascends. He's already had all authority and all power for 40 days because he got it the day he rose. And the day he put his blood in the mercy seat. But he doesn't delegate it until this moment. Now, the first day that he came back to the disciples, Jenny, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And that means they got born again. Uh -huh. So those disciples, that when he came into them, that same day that he rose and they were hiding, after he had ascended up. Then remember, he came down again and he sees the three women, not just Mary. And, he's, and then he says, all hell. If you read it in the Bible, in the Gospels. And they came and the Bible says, and they touched him and they hugged him and they kissed his feet. And he had no problem with them touching him at that point because the blood had already been placed on the mercy seat. Mary couldn't touch him because the blood, he was on his way up. He was not, he hadn't gone. I'm telling you, my God, that excites me so much understanding what the Bible's talking about. But you see, the blood had been placed. That's why those three ladies could touch him. And then he came into the disciples. They didn't get authority at that moment, but they got saved because he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And you see, when you get saved, the Holy Ghost comes into you, not just when you're baptized in this world, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. And you are born again, and the Holy Spirit is the one that, 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 that takes your spirit, man, removes the sin blockage, and makes you born of the Spirit, a connection to the Father a second time. It's the Holy Ghost that makes you a new creation. You get filled with the Spirit from that perspective when you're saved. Then a subsequent, you get filled with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Yes. But what I'm saying is on that glorious day, the day of the of the resurrection, later in the in the day when he comes to the disciples and he breathes on them. And they isn't that awesome that they got saved the first day that the blood was put on the mercy seat. Uh, the, the disciples got born again on the earth. Jim. Yeah, yeah. And, but he did not give them authority on that day. They got born again on that day. But he gave them authority on this day. Now, they hadn't even got the Holy Ghost. But he gave them the authority. But he said, now I've given you authority, but you better tarry. In fact, don't even go and be a witness unto me. What is being a witness? Well, Mark 16 tells us what the witness, when you're a witness, that says, those signs shall follow them that believe. They'll cast out devils. If they, uh, they, they, if they take up any serpent or drink anything, it shall not hurt them. Uh, they'll speak with new tongues and, and, and they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. This is the evangelistic. This is the uh, witness of the gospel. This is preaching the gospel to every creature. And Jesus says, don't go and preach that until you get the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, But he gave them authority and power before he left. And then he said, now you've got this authority and power, but don't really use it because you need the Holy Ghost with you to help you in this. And so they had authority and power at this moment, around the 40th day after the resurrection, but it wasn't until the 50th day that the full package came and they got baptized with the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said, even though you've got authority now, still don't go and be a witness until you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I say all that so that you can understand clearly what we're saying here is Jesus received all authority and power from God. All of it Amen. was given to him. When he sat down after he put his blood on the mercy seat on glorious resurrection Sunday, that is when he received it. Yes. But humankind did not receive this authority and power until this day where he said it here in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 19. Because at no time, if you read the Gospels, there's no time where he references that he gave them authority and power until this moment. They got born again before this moment. They got baptized in the Holy Ghost after this moment, about 10 days later. But they got the authority at this moment. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says, read with me in verse 18. All power or all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Now interpret scripture, please, with scripture. So that was the Great Commission in, in Matthew's gospel. But now in Mark's gospel, he says a few other things that Jesus said at that moment, but Matthew didn't record them, but Mark did. And so Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See, it's the same commission of Matthew 28. But now he adds some more details. See, Matthew 28 focused on baptizing. 
in water and also, and we know obviously the Holy Ghost because that came later, and also teaching them doctrine. So this, the emphasis on Matthew was baptism and teaching, but the emphasis on Mark is power, the power gifts. And you put both of them together, we're supposed to baptize people, we're supposed to teach them, and we're supposed to minister the power of God to them. See, if you put both together, interpret scripture with scripture. Now we see here in verse 16 of Mark 16, he that believes believes and is baptized shall be saved. There's the baptized again, but he that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. First thing he said was that they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. That doesn't mean you take up a serpent to play games like some crazy people in Kentucky do. What it means is if you handle anything deadly or if you ingest anything deadly, it shall not hurt you, including the coronavirus COVID-19 vaccine. If the Lord prompts you to take it, nothing, nothing shall hurt you. Praise God. And then, of course, and in my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we see here four. If you count the serpent and the deadly thing, that's a that you that's really the same category. So anything that's deadly. So we're told to cast out devils, speak in the Holy yes. Ghost in new tongues, not be concerned about deadly things, they'll not touch us, and lay hands on the sick and bring healing. Now go back to Matthew chapter chapter 28. You see now both both great commissions. Uh, you see both authors focusing on different things. One is baptism and teaching, the other is baptism and power. And we need both. Why? Because we preach the last verse of, 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 of the book of Mark, Matthew 16, I think it's verse 20 or whatever it is. He said, and they went around preaching and teaching the gospel, the Lord confirming with signs and wonders what they taught. Mm-hmm. So there's still the preaching and teaching mentioned in Mark, but the power is emphasized because it confirms what was taught. So in both Matthew and Mark, we see baptism. In both Matthew and Mark, we see teaching. But then, of course, Mark emphasizes power that goes along to confirm the teaching. But I want you to look here again in Matthew 28, 18. All power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Now, if you studied in the original language, this is a connector verse. And what Jesus is saying is they're not separate thoughts. This is one thought in one sentence. These are not, there's no paragraph here. There's no change of subject matter here. It is the same subject matter. He is saying, I have been given power, therefore go. Now, if Jesus is telling us to go, but he got the power and the authority, all of it, uh, we couldn't go and do his works if he didn't delegate that authority to us. What he is saying here is, I've been given all the authority and all the power, and I'm giving it to you. I delegate it to you. Now you go and use that authority and power that I've given you to fulfill my mandate on the earth. And what you saw me do, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, do all the, you do the same thing. Why? Because I'm giving you the authority that I've been given by my father. Do you understand? Can you see that? I've been given authority. Therefore, you go. It's one thought. There's no subject matter change. There's no paragraph break. He is simply saying, I've been given it. Now I give it to you. Go. Because without that authority and power, we couldn't do Mark 16. We couldn't heal the sick, cast out devils. We have to have that authority in order to do that. Now, have a look at the book of Luke, please. I'm not going to get it all done tonight, but I'm going to just get as far as I can get. And then I'm going to pick it up later because you need to catch some things. I don't know if I'll get to the controversial statements tonight. We'll just see. But you need to catch some stuff that I believe is very important for your spiritual growth. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I give you. Behold, I give you. Behold, I give you power. Now, when I said earlier that this is the first time, Matthew 28, that he granted authority, this, what, when I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say, we know that he gave the 70 authority to cast out devils and heal the sick because they went. But, the, but that was before he died. So that was an unusual act because he had not paid the price yet, but yet he gave them authority. Now, the people, they couldn't get saved because he hadn't died and risen but they could get healed and delivered because before all of that was accomplished on the cross, he gave them a foretaste and hors d'oeuvre of what was coming and he granted them temporary authority. But permanent authority is not listed until Matthew 28, 18 and 19. 
Do you understand? There was a temporary measure given to the 70 when they went out to preach. But the permanent, there was no mention of a permanent measure of authority until he had ratified salvation, died, gone to hell, been raised up, raised from the dead, gone to heaven, secured the covenant, put his blood on the seat, and sat down at the right hand of God, having ratified the new covenant in his own blood. Then he was given all the authority by the Father, and then he passed it on to the church permanently after the, the resurrection, 40 days afterward. But this is a temporary, uh, temporary uh, uh, short term, uh, giving them a taste of what is to come. Now look here, behold, I give, I give unto you. If he gave them in a temporary hors d'oeuvre authority, how much more is he going to give us? See, he asked them, Jenny, to do these acts and signs before he even died. And he said, I give you the authority to do it. Amen. So if he gave that on a temporary basis, how much more is he giving us authority on a permanent basis in the Great Commission when those signs are repeated? Again, we see them repeated in the book, in the book of Mark chapter 16. Yeah. So even though Matthew 28, 18 doesn't say, all power is given unto me, I give it to you. But we know theologically by interpreting scripture with scripture that that's what he's saying. All authority is given unto me. Go ye therefore. In other words, I'm giving it to you to go. Just like I gave it to you in a temporary measure earlier, I'm giving it to you in a permanent measure now. And now we see clearly, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, not physical animals, but they representative of demons and dark powers. And over all the power, I give you authority, that's the word exousa, of, oh, to, uh, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the dunamis, because the devil doesn't have authority, but he has physical power. He has lying signs and wonders that to scare people and to hurt people. So that word is dunamis, that power, word power. So I've given you all the authority to tread on him and over all the power or the ability of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's right. My God, have a look quickly at Matthew chapter 10. Just, I'm just giving you a few uh, uh, to, to build the foundation. Matthew chapter 10, praise God. And this again, like Luke 10, Matthew 10 is saying the same thing. He's talking to the 70. And he says, don't go to the city of Samaria and Samaritans, verse six, go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, verse seven. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now remember, interpret scripture with scripture. Luke 10 is also talking about the 70 going, but he gave them authority over the devil. Now we see in Matthew, Matthew's gospel, he doesn't talk about authority, but you know that he did because of what Luke's gospel says. And now what, what now the actions of that authority are listed here. And the actions are heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Four things, freely receive, freely give. So these are the temporary measure of authority is granted in Luke 10. And the acts associated with that authority are explained in Matthew 10. Now the permanent measure of authority is given in Matthew 28. And the acts associated with that authority is given in Mark 16. Amen. Do you see that everybody? Everybody, somebody say amen, because I can't hear you. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Oh, thank you, Pastor Jenny. <laughs> I'm sure they're saying amen in their homes. Praise God. Amen. So we see here authority. I'm trying to get over to you. If in a temporary measure, he said, I give you authority. Obviously, in a permanent measure, when he's about to leave the planet, and we're going to be, you know, running this earth as a church for 2,000 years until he returns for the rapture. If he gave it temporarily to 70, he obviously gave it permanently to the entire body of Christ. He has given us, I'm trying to, I'm building a platform here, so be patient. He has, he has given us authority. He has given us power. Are you with me? It's important you understand that, that he has given that to us. That's the, a very important thing. He transferred authority to us. Now, I, I, this is maybe a bit of a controversial statement in some circles, but hopefully not in, not in your mind. The only authority that Jesus has on earth is through us. Now, people love to look at Jesus like he's all powerful, and he is, and he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, wherever he wants. That's not true. Jesus can't do whatever he wants, wherever he wants, whenever he wants, because on the earth, he has given and delegated the authority to the body of Christ, to us. So on the earth, he, he has all authority still in the heavens. Remember what Matthew 28, Jenny says? It says, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore, not go into heaven, go into all the earth and preach the gospel. 
That's what Mount Mark 16, we interpret them together. So in what Jesus' authority for the church is not in heaven, but it's on the earth. Jesus, however, has authority in the heavens too. But because he gave his authority to his body on the earth, then Jesus, the, the authority that he has in the earth is through us. Amen. He's not coming down here and, and casting out demons and doing all those things. You'll never hear, not any person ever, ever, ever tell you that they saw Jesus come and cast out demons on the earth since he rose again, since he ascended. Because he has given the authority to the church. Now, Jesus has come and got people saved and told people that he's the Messiah because their heart is hungry and there's nobody to preach to them. And angels can't preach the gospel. And many people have been born again by Jesus coming and appearing to them personally and leading them if they're hungry hearted to himself. But that's a different action. That's different. But the authority to deal with hell, the authority to deal with demon power, he has granted that authority to his church while because we are on the earth and he is not on the earth. Praise God. Now, I, there's some people that take two sides to this, so I'm not even going to get into it because it doesn't matter. But some people believe that if Jesus were to physically appear here, that he wouldn't have authority to cast out demons and to deal with demons. And other people believe that he would, because as the head, if he's on the earth, that he would have that authority to deal, to deal with it. Uh, I'm not going to get into a, a splitting of hairs on that. The point is, is that Jesus has been given all authority on heaven and on earth. He still retains all authority in heaven because we don't have authority over the heavenlies, but we have authority over the earth and the atmosphere of the earth and the heavenlies immediately around the earth. So he has granted that to the church. And so the only authority that can be exercised by Jesus on the earth is through the church. I'll give you an example of that story that uh, so that you understand kind of what I believe. When Jesus appeared to Dad Hagen in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, he was sitting with a pastor. A lot of people don't realize that it was the pastor's wife that lost her salvation. You heard the story about the little black dot coming in her mind. She was a worship leader and that pride started and she started to get arrogant and, and then that turned into a hatred and she started to backslide and it traveled. He saw in the spirit down to her heart. And when that happened, she cursed God. She rejected the blood. She rejected the Holy Ghost. She hated Jesus with the same passion with which she for at one time loved him. And the Bible is very clear in Hebrews and other places that when you when you reject God to that measure, you're lost. And, and that is the unforgivable sin. And so it was actually that pastor's wife that committed that. And he was in that pastor's wife's and that pastor's house. The, the woman was gone. She was attacking the husband. She hated Jesus and hated the husband. <laughs> Isn't that astonishing? And so he was discussing with Dad Hagen about the attack that she was leveling against him. And Dad Hagen had already had this vision of this thing in her mind, this dark black thing, this demon that had got into her heart. And God said, don't pray for her anymore. She's lost and she'll never be saved. Those are heavy things, but I'm just telling you, this is all in his book. You can read his books. It's all there. It's not, it's not secret knowledge. It's right there. You can read it in more than one book. And he's preached it uh, publicly many times. So, but anyway, it was in that home. And they're talking to the little girl, the, the, the daughter of the, of the, of the pastors there. And, uh, and, and, and she needs to go to bed. And Dad Hagen got to kind of talking along. And she needed to go to bed. And so she kind of came and then left. And came. finally, she came a bit exasperated. Daddy, I'm tired. I got to go to bed because she wouldn't go to bed unless they prayed. And so the, the man said, Dad Hagen, or doc, you know, sir, what I don't think called him Dad Hagen, but whatever, uh, Pastor Hagen, would you, would you mind if we just pray quickly with my daughter? Because she needs to go to sleep. So they all knelt down to pray with the little girl in his kitchen in Broken Bow, uh, Oklahoma. And as soon as they knelt down, just to say a simple prayer so that she could go to sleep and they could keep talking. The whole room filled like he was, he, he was lifted up. The room was filled with like a supernatural experience, like a cloud. And Jesus was standing there above him and started to talk to him. And in that vision, open vision, he could see Jesus. The room disappeared. Jesus talked to him for quite a long time about demons and about evil spirits and about the authority the believer has. In that experience, a small demon came out from the corner in between him and Dad Hagen and was making a funny noise that sounded like a, a yakety yak, yakety yak, and like a distraction. And he was saying it loud enough to try to block Jesus's voice so that Kenneth Hagen couldn't hear what Jesus was saying. And on top of that, out of its uh, hands or whatever, out of, out, of, out of its being somewhere, it started to emit this ink in the, in the atmosphere, in, this, in the air, uh, this is a spiritual picture, but there's still like an atmosphere, like an octopus would emit ink in the water. 
And so not only could he not hear what Jesus was saying because of the volume of the voice of this demon, but he couldn't see Jesus as clearly because the ink was blocking his view. And he kept thinking to himself, I wish Jesus would deal with this thing. I wish Jesus would get rid of this thing because what he's saying is really important and I need to hear. And, and Jesus wouldn't do anything. And time passed and, and he's missing instruction and Jesus keeps talking. He can hear the muffled voice, but he can't understand what he's saying. He can't see him probably because this demon is going back and forth in front of them. Finally, out of desperation, he says, I command you to stop in the name of Jesus. And the devil stopped, whimpered, you know, and, and ran off. And he said, Jesus, why didn't you deal with that? Why didn't you do something for me on that? And Jesus said, I couldn't. And he said, I thought you you didn't mean that you wouldn't, right? And Jesus says, no, I couldn't. And then he repeated it three times and Jesus got angry with him. Do you remember that, Jenny? And Jesus raised his voice to him on the third time and said, I said, I couldn't. And then Jesus started teaching him on the earth. I have delegated the authority that the father gave me to the church. I retain full authority in the heavens, but on the earth and in this immediate atmosphere, my body, the church, has all of my authority. And if and he said to him, if you had not dealt with that demon, I could not have dealt with it. Now, I know a lot of people turned against Dad Hagen for preaching that. A lot of people that loved him and were faithful to him, Jenny, turned against him, walked away from him when he preached it. But also a lot of people walked away from Jesus when he said, you got to eat my body and drink my blood because they didn't understand the spiritual principle behind it. He wasn't talking about cannibalism. He was talking about receiving of his covenant body and blood. They didn't understand. They didn't have revelation. So they got offended and left. And people didn't have a revelation of what Dad Hagen was teaching, and they got offended and left. Now, please don't get offended and leave promise of life. I'm not teaching heresy. What I'm simply telling you is when Jesus said, I am giving you the authority, and he said, all authority is given to me. Now, I give it to you. Go. That means that his body on the earth, this church, us, the body of Christ, have been given his direct authority on this earth as though he was here Instead of us, as though he was here, we speak on his behalf. We speak with his authority. Amen. And whether you believe Dad Hagen or not, don't stumble over it. I'm simply telling you that in that vision, Jesus would not deal with that demon because he said, I have given that authority to you, Kenneth. And if you don't deal with it, it won't be dealt with. Then furthermore, he went on and said, find me any scripture. You can't find any scripture in the New Testament, Kenneth, where it says, I'll deal with the devil for you. And Kenneth thought, well, there's got to be something. And he searched and there's not one scripture. There's not one scripture anywhere in the New Testament that says Jesus will deal with the devil for you. In the Old Testament, he rebuked the devourer. He dealt with the devil because they didn't have authority the way we do. But in the New Testament, there is not one scripture that says Jesus will come and deal with the devil for you. But he said, uh, he said, well, give me scripture for this. And he asked for, remember, two or three. And he said, I'll do you better and I'll give you four. And he gave him four. And there's many. I mean, there's, 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 there's well over a dozen that I found personally. There are many scriptures in the New Testament that clearly say that Jesus has granted that authority to the church. And if the church doesn't deal with it, if the church doesn't deal with demons, God is not going to deal with it for us because he's given us the authority. Now, you remember Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew, go with me, please, in the book of Matthew chapter 16. You remember that, don't you? Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. And I will give unto you, verse 19, and I will give, let's verse 18, and I say unto thee, that our Peter, and upon this rock of revelation, not Peter, the Catholic Church got that wrong, the rock of revelation of what Peter said, which is thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, upon this revelation that Jesus is Lord, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail or win against it. He's talking about hell, he's talking about demons. He's talking about hell not being able to overcome us. And then he tells us how hell is not going to, if he just said that, then we would think that God would deal with it for us. But he's saying hell can't hurt you. Hell cannot prevail against you. How? Because I give you authority to deal with hell. I'm telling you, you've got the authority with your words. So he says, and I give, and I will, I will give, I will. See, it wasn't here yet. This is after Matthew 10. This is after he sent the 70 out. So he had given the 70 a measure of authority temporarily. But now he's talking future tense because he's referring to Matthew 28 after he rose. But before he ascended, he said, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. When did that happen? Matthew 28, 18 and 19. And whatsoever you, not me, you bind on earth 
shall be bound. And it's, a, it's an imperfect tense in the Greek. What it means is whatsoever you bind on earth shall have been. Study it. You can look it up in the Young's translation and, and the Amplified Classic. And many translations, they're better than the King James in that they show the imperfect tense of the Greek verb because it's future and past in the same. And it's very unusual. It means whatever you bind on earth right now, it shall has been future past bound in heaven. Meaning I did it when I died. And I, my power is going to manifest it when you speak, but nothing changes until you speak. It, it shall has been bound in heaven. It happened when I when I ratified the covenant on Easter Sunday morning and my power will bring it to manifestation in the future. But it requires your words. So whatever you say, I'll do. But I already did it, but I'm going to do it. Amen. Whatever you lose, whatever you permit, I will. My power will manifest it. But. It's already happened. It's already been paid for when I ratified the covenant on Easter Sunday morning. But I'm waiting for your words. Praise God. I'm trying to I'm trying to build a platform for you to see that God has given us as his body, his authority on the earth. And he has told us clearly, you say it and I'll back you. You bind the devil and I'll, I, my power will back you and all heaven will support you. And there's not one verse, Jenny, I've read the whole New Testament. I've checked. There's not one verse anywhere. And Dad Hagen checked many times. Of course, we trust that Jesus knows the Bible better than us. And he told him there wasn't a verse. But there's not one verse anywhere in the New Testament that says that Jesus will deal with the devil for you. Now, of course, he dealt with the devil for people while he was on his earthly ministry because he hadn't died and rose again. But he says, I will give you Matthew 28. I'm going to give you authority to whatever you say, whatever you say. And the Bible says, don't give place to the devil. So we give him place or we take him out of the place. Amen. There's many verses and Jesus gave them four. I'm trying to explain to you that we, I'll say that statement again, that the authority that Jesus has on the earth is, 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 is manifested through his body, which is the church. Amen. Jesus isn't coming down to the church to deal with devils for you. He gave you the authority to deal with it. Jesus isn't coming down to the earth to cast out devils. He gave us the authority to do it. When demons try to interfere, like what happened in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, Jesus is not going to deal with that. I'm, I, I, I still find it hard to believe. It's still hard for me, even after all these years, for me to believe when he said I can't. Because I can't, I just, it's, I struggle to think that Jesus, there's nothing he can't do. He's Jesus. But he said, so, I mean, we either believe Brother Hagen or we don't, but he said, I can't. Not I won't, but I can't because I've given that authority to you. Now you deal with it. Now, whether you can believe that or not, I'll leave that. Religious people hate that kind of preaching because everything's Jesus and don't touch Jesus. Now, I love Jesus and everything is Jesus, but Jesus has given us the authority and I firmly believe. And there's no scripture that can prove me wrong. And we got to go with the word. There's no scripture that says he will deal with demons for us on the earth right. because he has given us. Now, if there was a scripture that said it, then then I would have to say that that Dad Hagen misheard Jesus because right. Jesus can't be wrong. But the reason Jesus said I can't. He has all authority in both that. realms, but he gave the authority in the earth yeah. realm to us. So we have the authority in the earth realm, not him in the same measure. He is the authority in the heavenly realm. Now, if there was any verse in the New Testament that said he would deal with demons for us, then, then there would be a problem with that doctrine. But Jesus said, the reason I can say that is that not just that I won't, but I can't, is because there's nowhere in the Bible that says in the New Testament, post-resurrection, that I will take care of demons on your behalf, that I will deal with demons for you. You have been given the authority to deal with them, so go ahead and deal with it. And he said to him, furthermore, if you hadn't told that demon to be quiet, it would not have stopped. So that makes me think, Jenny, there's a lot of things going on in our life that we're waiting on God for. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh I'm, I'm, I'm stepping on toes right now. Thank now, God. there is a legitimate waiting on God. But a lot of people make the excuse of I'm waiting on God because they don't want to use their authority. And you'll wait on God until the rapture. And it won't change. Because if you're waiting on God to do things that he told you to do. Doesn't matter how long you wait on God, his power will not manifest for you because you violated the instructions of the Bible. And the Bible clearly tells you to deal with certain things. Now, there's another kind of waiting on God that we do every day where we wait on him. We love him. We praise him. We're quiet before him. We worship him. We wait for his voice. We wait for his answers. We wait for clarity. That waiting on God is a lifestyle. Of course. But then people say to me, I can't tell you, Jenny, over the years, I, I, there's some, you know, 
uh, I'm waiting on God to heal me. Well, you've been given authority. Now, the power of God will manifest the right time, but have you released your authority? Because that power will never manifest until you release it. I'm waiting for the. I'm waiting for God to deal with this uh, demon of poverty. I'm waiting for God to deal with this demon of nightmares. I'm waiting for God to deal with my child that is out of their mind and they're crazy and they're and and, and there's demonic activity in the house. I'm waiting. Yeah, have you heard it, Jenny? I'm waiting on God. Well, it's okay to wait on God in a certain sense, but it's not okay to wait on God for him to deal with the devil when he said, I delegate the authority for you to deal with it. If you wait on God the wrong the wrong kind of waiting, you'll wait forever and nothing will happen because until you speak and until you command and until you bind and until you loose and until you speak, the power of God won't work because he has delegated the authority in the earth realm to the body of Christ. I'm saying it very simply and repeatedly at different angles because I know that not everybody is very mature that's watching this. Some Christians, Jenny and our church, this might be the first time they've ever heard this. And there may be people that aren't even members of our church that have never heard this. And so I'm trying to give scripture to show you that I'm not just making this up. And Dan Hagen wasn't just making up some false doctrine. That vision really happened. And that vision, we don't hold on to the vision if it's not scriptural, but everything Jesus said in that vision, he backed up with scripture in the right context in the New Testament post-resurrection, which is our dispensation. You can't just go with when he walked the earth ministering to people because he operated under the old covenant. But when he when he ratified the new covenant in his blood on Easter Sunday morning, that's our dispensation called the church the age. Church. And in this dispensation, in that in this realm, there is nothing in the Bible, not one place where it tells you that God will deal with the devil for you. He says, I've given you authority. Now deal with him. I'll close by saying this because it's 906. Man, uh, I, I haven't got as far as I wanted, but that's okay. We'll come. But thank God we're not a traveling minister, Jenny, and we have to leave tomorrow and we have to get it all out in one sermon. I'll come back and I hope you'll come back. Praise God. And you'll listen. But let me give you this story. Lester Sumrall was, uh, <laughs> you know, when that anointing came, Jenny, and, and, and he said a new anointing is coming on you to cast out demons, remember? And, and that anointing within the mantle. And I said, Lord, I don't like demons and I don't really want to deal with them. And he said, no, you've been backing off. Remember that? And then he said, you remember, I talked to you. And when I did the math calculation, I was shocked. I didn't do it until just sometime a few weeks ago. It didn't even dawn on me. But that when he first told me, you have to stop casting out devils the way you should have, like you did when you were younger. And I want you to get back to it. And he said, I'm going to give you time to study it and teach it in the Bible school so it gets into you. Now, that was back, and when I looked at the dates, Jenny, it was the first week of November 2016. That's when I was at the seashore of Galilee. Late at night, you were sleeping in the room, and I looked over across the lake to where the man of the Gadarenes was, because we had seen it that day, and the word of the Lord came to me and said that. And I and I didn't realize how long it would be or whatever. But when he then I didn't realize until just a few weeks ago when I was putting the pieces together on that first week of, of November between the first and the 10th of November, the exact time we were in Israel. I mean, that's how precise God is. I would have never thought that I wasn't planning that, but I didn't know what God was going to speak in the first 10 days of the fast. I had no clue. But in that first 10 days, all he dealt with me the entire time was revelation on the blood as it relates to casting out demons, the authority of the believer, the body of Christ, how faith works, and and a lot of emphasis on casting out demons. A lot of emphasis on casting out demons. And he started to speak to me that first 10 days, and he said, a new anointing has come on, come on you to cast out demons in this in this fast. By this mental coming, a fresh anointing has come on you. And then and then I was thinking about it, you know, in early in early January, talking to Taylor about it actually. And I, I was asking Taylor, when I realized, oh Lord, back then is when you started talking to me. And, and I, I didn't even know when we had gone to Israel. I had to look it up. I had to look at my pictures because I couldn't even remember when it was. And lo and behold, it was the first week of November 2016. God gave me almost to the exact day within the same week, four years exactly to study, to get it in me. And then he, in his perfect timing, said, enough studying. It's now time to do it. I've given you four years to get it in you. Now the anointing comes on you to do it. But I said, even with that anointing and even with all this time of studying, praise God, I still on the fast said, Lord, I don't really, I don't want to do it, but I'll do it because you asked me to do it and it's an honor. So thank you. But then I said, but Lord, I'm not as skillful as as, as Lester Sumrall. Lester Sumrall seemed to just always know what to do. He just, nothing phased him, Jenny. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, now I want you to watch this, this video of him. 
I think God heard what I said. And God wanted to show me I was wrong. So I'm watching this video of Dad Sumrall, and he's recounting the first time he cast out a demon on his first missionary trip with, with Coward Carter to, to Java, the islands of Java in Indonesia, where there's tons of demons. There's probably more demons than humans over there. And, uh, and he's in a service, and he stands up to preach, and he's a nice, you know, Howard is somewhere else teaching on the, on the gifts of the Spirit and on the baptism of the Spirit. But he, he is more the evangelist preacher, and so they're not, can't be in the same service because there's such a demand. So, so to cover more ground, they, they, they would be in the same hotel, but they would separate each night to go preach in different churches. The church is packed. He's preaching to this crowd. He wants to be a nice evangelist because he really respects uh, Howard Carter, who's his elder. Yeah. He's a, an English proper Englishman, perfect language, perfect speech. So he trained Lester to be more of a gentleman about social graces, about, about what's appropriate, about how to write properly. That's why he's such a good author, because Howard Carter taught him how to write, how to communicate, how to greet people. Because Lester was just kind of a rough and tough guy from the South, and he didn't know all that English proper manners and everything. And so he so admired Howard Carter, he wanted to be like Howard Carter. And Howard Carter was very polite and gentle. He didn't have every hair, everything was in place. So he tried to dress like him and act like him and everything. And he said, I'm going to stand up and just be real nice. And I'm just, this is his first sermon on the missionary trip. I'm just going to greet the people, tell them what a beautiful, what a beautiful, uh, you know, country they have. And just all the sweet stuff, you know, like the preliminaries. He gets up there and, and he gets up there and is girl uh, who's demon possessed uh, comes up you know from the front row come, stares at him and starts to uh, go like this I thought it was slithering like this but it wasn't because in, in another video I saw he said it was up and down I mean, I mean, both both are supernatural and both a human being can't do without a demonic help. But this this girl this teen, young teenage girl was doing this literally going up and down across the front like a snake and with her eyes and her head turned toward him on the platform the entire time, smirking and glaring at him, mocking him. And he knew it was a demon. And he kept saying, as he's starting to do the preliminaries, he kept saying, oh, Lord, Lord please, please, would you deal with that? <laughs> Welcome, everybody. God bless you. And she's going like this. And he's trying to ignore her. And the pastors and everybody on the front can see her. And they're trying to ignore her. And the, the feeling of this darkness is in the, in the building because that demon brings a presence with it. And it's manifesting. And, and he's in, in his mind, he's saying, God, please deal with that. Lord, Lord, Lord I'm asking you to deal with it. You asked me to come preach. You, know, you, you deal with that. And he heard the Lord say, uh, I'm not going to do anything about it. You do something about it. That's what God said to him. I'm not going to do anything about it. You do something about it. Oh, God, no. In his mind, he's saying, oh, God, I don't know how to do that. I'm, I just want to be a nice. I, I just want. I, and, he's, and he's arguing and he's trying to do his plenaries. And then out of his spirit, he said he, it shocked him as much as it shocked everybody else. Out of his spirit rose the words and they came out before he could catch them because he probably would have stopped them if he could have. Out of the word, out of his spirit came these words. You shut up and sit up down on that seat. And he screamed at her and he said he felt so guilty. I've yelled at a woman. Other people are going to disrespect me. I want to be a proper person like Howard Carter. And so then, and she stopped instantly. She was foaming at the mouth. That all stopped. And she kind of like a zombie got up and sat there and just stared ahead. She wasn't making a distraction, but that demon hadn't come out of her because he didn't tell it to come out. The words were shut up and sit down. <laughs> and so the whole message he preaches, she's staring straight at him like a zombie. And he's thinking, well, at least she's not distracting. I'll just leave and let the pastor deal with it. He wasn't planning on doing anything. And at the very end of the sermon, one of the last things he said before, and again, it come up out of his spirit before he could stop it. The words came out and he turned to her and he pointed at her and he said, I didn't know it was coming any more than anybody else knew it was coming. And he said, I pointed at her and I said, and now you come out of her in Jesus name. And that demon came out of her and she came out of her stupor. And she said, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? What's going on? And she's talking to the people beside her and they're saying, oh, you know, you're at church. And you were demon possessed and the preacher just cast the devil out of you. And she was so embarrassed and she was so remorseful. She had no memory of what had happened. She had no memory of doing that. It's astonishing. And I said, my God, Lord, he taught me something, Jenny. He taught me a great lesson that day during the fast. He said, Lester didn't want to deal with him either. And he said, you don't. And that's probably a good thing you don't, because I don't want you to be fascinated with them. Mm -hmm. And the second thing he said is, did you notice that Lester didn't have anybody to teach him? He didn't have any books to read. You at least have him to teach you and you have his book to read. He didn't have anybody. Lester, Howard Carter didn't teach him anything about that. 
And he said, that touched my heart, Lord Jenny. The Lord said to me, he said, did you notice that even though he didn't know what to do, the spirit taught him in spite of him. Amen. The spirit rose up and dealt with that. He It still had to be him speaking it. Oh, yes. An angel couldn't show up. Jesus couldn't show up, but he had to speak because the authority has been delegated to the church. But because he didn't know how to do it, when to do it, why to do it, he didn't have the doctrine. But the spirit rose up within him and he spoke. And then later the spirit rose up within him and he spoke. And then I won't get into it, but if you listen to him, the next thing, the next service, and he went back. Even after all that, he still didn't connect the dots. He went back mortified. Howard Carter, the, I I, I never want to preach again. I screamed at a woman and cast the devil out, and God knows what they thought. And Howard Carter just said, you did the right thing. He said, if a demon is disrupting the service, you got to cast it out. But I don't want to yell at people. I didn't even mean to yell, but the Holy Ghost just came on me, and I yelled, and I didn't even want to yell, but it just came out of my, and he goes, that's good, son. You do that again. No, I don't want to do that. He says, that's good, son. You do that again. And the next service, the same thing happened. And he yelled again and he came back mortified. I mean, he's fighting against God. And look how merciful God is, Jenny. And the Lord got over to me through that testimony of Dr. Sumrall. Son, listen to me. If you don't understand exactly what to do when it comes to demons, the great helper is on the inside. And if I have to come up out of you and through you like I did him, I will, because I'll teach you. What a peace that gave me. Not only do I have an advantage that Lester did it because I have teaching from Brother Hagen and him and all these great men that they didn't have. But I've got the same Holy Ghost that they had, Jenny. And if for whatever reason, with all the teaching I have, I still don't know what to do, which would be my own fault. But if I still don't know what to do, I've got the same teacher and the same helper that he had in Jabba. And if the Holy Ghost has to come up and out of me and show me how to do it like he did Lester, he'll do the same thing for me. And the point is, he is give, whether we understand it fully or not, whether we're willing to do it fully or not, if we're open to the helper to teach us, he will teach us how to deal with devils and how to use our authority because God won't and he can't because he delegated to us. And there's no scripture where it says that he'll do it for you. And we've got to go with the word. But there are many scriptures that says you are to do it in his name with his authority. So that is why we can we can confidently say God won't do anything and he can't because he's delegated it to us and he must honor his word. That's why he can't. It's not because he can't because he's weak. He can't because he won't violate the covenant. It's not that he can't because he's he, he's lesser or some reason, which is what our minds run to when you say Jesus can't do something. He can't do it because it would violate the covenant that he cut with his own blood. He can't break his own covenant. And his covenant says, I give it to you. So he must let us do it because that's what his blood has provided. That's why he can't because he won't break his own word. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. That's don't look. Don't, we're not insulting Jesus. We're not hurting his feelings. We're not making it seem like he's weak or lesser. We are saying he won't do certain things and he can't do certain things. Why? Because he won't break his word. Amen. His word and his new covenant was shed and cut and manifested and enforced and given power to in his own blood. And he won't break that. Amen. Because you won't deal with the devil. He won't break the covenant because of your ignorance. No, he has told us what to do. There's scripture after scripture to prove it and not one scripture to deny it. And he has said, I've given you the authority. You are my body. You are my church. Deal with it. Deal with the devil. And if you don't, I can't because I've given it to you. He said to Lester, you deal with it. I'm not doing nothing about that. He said, Jesus said to him, if you hadn't have done that, I would not have. I could not have because I've given it to you and I won't break my word. And Jesus would have done it for Dad Hagen in broken vote. It would have violated the word. And he won't violate the word because if he violates the word, he violates the covenant. And then his blood is not, his blood has failed. If the covenant breaks, the blood breaks because the blood enforces the covenant. He won't violate this word and he won't violate the covenant because he won't violate his own blood, which means he can't deal with the devil because he's told you to deal with him. That's right. Praise God. I feel I feel a release in my spirit. I feel it because there's something when you say, Jenny, Jesus can't do something. It's it's right for us to what? He's Jesus. Of course he can. He can do anything. 
because they're thinking we're insulting him. They're thinking we're saying he's weak or he's lesser or he's in, uh, unable yeah, yeah, yeah. From, from a weak perspective. No, it's not. We know he's got the ability from that perspective, but he can't because he won't break his covenant. And his covenant says, you do it. So from that perspective, he can't. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's what he said to Dedek. That's what he said to Lester Summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you should hear Lester. He'll make you laugh. He'll tell you, pee your pants the way he talks and how he didn't want to deal with the devil, but how God taught him to do it. And then he started doing it with great authority and became world no, world renowned for that authority. And people would come from all over the world and all over America every Sunday in his church uh, there in, um, in uh, Michigan, uh, South Bend, sorry, Indiana, South Bend, Indiana come from all over the world, come from all over the States. One time, Paul Crouch uh, took his own jet, all the thousands of dollars of fuel to bring one person that was demon possessed to come to South Bend Church where Dr. Summer was preaching on a Sunday morning. And he said, because they were friends, and he said to Dr. Summer, he said, I don't know anybody that can cast out demons but you. I brought him all the way from California to get set free. And he cast the devil out and he was free. But Lester Summer said, that's a crying shame. For you not to have anybody, for you not to know anybody, we're all supposed to be doing this because we're all the body. It wasn't just given to Lester. He's one member of the body and one member in particular. But we are all the body and all of us have been granted authority. And it was sad that Paul Crouch didn't have that revelation to do it himself and that many others didn't have that revelation to do it themselves. They all had to flock to Lester Summerall because they thought he had some special gift. No, he didn't have some special gift. He just had a revelation that Jesus had given him authority. Dad Hagen, people flocked him, but it wasn't because it wasn't because he was better than anybody else. Now, yes, he's a minister in an office and there's anointings and endowments. And I'm not, I'm not, that's another, that's another side of the coin. I'm just saying, uh, Dad Hagen once stood on a platform with all the thousands of people and he said, Lord, why are they here? And, and the Lord, and, and the Lord said, they're here to get healed from me. And he said, but Lord, they don't need to. And the Lord said, I know they don't need to. They, if they, if they knew who they were in me, they would use their authority and deal with that sickness themselves, but they don't know. So they've come to have you help them. Go ahead and help them, son. See how merciful God, how compassionate he is. He'll, he, he wants us to do it, but he'll even allow somebody else, God, for God to use somebody else in our life. If for whatever reason we refuse to listen or refuse to get it. But I want you to know that he's given you the authority to deal with sickness, you the authority to deal with poverty, you the authority to deal with demons, you the authority to deal with nightmares when your children has them, you the authority to deal with sickness and all matter of plague and darkness, you the authority to deal with fear, you the authority to deal with whatever you're facing, lack, whatever it is, you as his body has been given authority. It's part of the covenant that he enforced with his own blood and he won't break it and he won't get involved other than his power working through you. He won't come and bail you out because he told you to do it. Praise God. Father, I thank you this evening. I went long and I really don't care because Lord, I, I know when I know when the Holy Ghost is on me and I know when he starts to lift and he just started to lift a few minutes ago and I knew it was time to wind down. But until I feel that lifting off me, I, I'll keep going, Lord, because I'm not trying to honor the clock. I'm trying to honor you, Father. I'm not even that interested in honoring their time because if they're hungry, they'll watch. If they're hungry, they'll stay. Lord, I'm honoring you. I'm not honoring anybody else. I make no apologies for going beyond the time because I know when the Holy Ghost says, keep going, some of them still need this. Keep share that example, share that story. It'll help clarify. It will help make it more, more, uh, more alive to them in their heart. Lord, I want to follow you. So father, I thank you for helping us tonight. Now I know the anointing has lifted off. So now I know it to go any further would be in the flesh. Father, I thank you for those that were hungry. They continued listening. I believe all of them did. Lord, this is only part one. Part two is on the way. But Father, I'm building a platform. I'm building an evidence. I'm proving to them like a lawyer would to a jury that Jesus can't from the perspective that he will, he cannot, he will not violate his own word that he shed, shed his own blood to enforce that covenant. He won't do it. And in this regard, there's no scripture that says that you'll deal with it for us, but there's many that says that you've given us our, your authority to deal with it, with your authority, and then your power will back us up to physically cause it to go. So Father, I thank you. I'm building proof and evidence to them for them to see that we are the body of Christ, that we have been granted and delegated the authority of heaven and that it is up to us to deal with darkness. Yes, Lord. 
And Lord, for those parents right now that are watching me, that their children are acting in erratic ways, I pray that they would, that if they don't know how to do it and that they should have listened to me uh, and then watched me over the time, and they have, and they should know how to do it just by my example and other ministers that they've watched example. But Lord, if they're still concerned, like you comforted me, comfort them. They've got the helper, they've got the helper, the helper and the teacher inside of them, the Holy Ghost, and he'll show them if they don't know what to do. But Father, for those of them that have erratic children, that they know there's a demonic force that is operating, it's beyond the natural realm. Let them stand up and deal with that in Jesus' name, because Lord, them waiting for you to do something, they'll wait forever, because your word says they have to do it and you won't break your word and your covenant. You won't, you won't undo your own blood. They must deal with it. So Lord, let them remember that you've delegated them the authority as your body on the earth. And we execute your, your workings on this planet because we are the body and you are the head and we are one and you've given it to us and we're walking it out here on the earth. So Lord, I thank you for it and I praise you for it. Father, we get fed up with sicknesses. We get fed up with headaches. We get fed up. We're, we need to get fed up with those things and use our authority and command them to leave. And they will obey us if we believe. So we thank you for it. Thank you for part one. Thank you for the help that came to them. Holy Spirit, I, 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 there was a different flow than Sunday, but I thank you for your wonderful anointing. I could feel your anointing on me this evening. I could feel your anointing on my words. And you helped me clarify it, Father, in even a better way than I even planned. So thank you, Holy Spirit, I give you all the credit. Thank you for helping them see it. Thank you for helping them believe it. Thank you for helping them live it. Let them be doers of the word and not hearers only. Let them deal with the devil themselves because they've been given delegated authority. In Jesus' mighty name and your power, as soon as they speak, we'll force it. We'll back them up. We'll, we'll, we'll do the supernatural that they can't do. You'll do your part, Father, but they must do their part. I give you praise and I give you glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.